0: mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Fuck you. I've been down here too long. It's time for me to ascend. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me! So I crashed! Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press Retrospectives. We're here talking Batman Returns, the third entry in our long, extraneous Batman film series retrospective. So far, we're doing pretty good. Uh, We've got the momentum. We're keeping it up. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. Also here to host with me is Matt Gringo. Yep. That's me. I'm the other one. Matt, we talk about a lot of movies on here, and many of the franchises run out of steam very quickly. Yes. Uh, And so far, we're just skating along, much like Batman's own, or Mr. Freeze's own little henchman in the Batman film series. I'm very grateful
1: that this franchise, no matter what is going to go down, we're not really ever going to run out of steam of things to
0: talk about. (laughs) Uh, And for this film, we have a lot to talk about. Not as beloved by critics or fans as tim burton's original batman or
1: financially uh ouch yeah it wasn't it was a it was a big step down from batman uh, which is i mean that's pretty much the only reason why there's a huge shift between this
0: film and the next uh, tim burton's batman returns uh, again starring michael keaton now also starring michelle pfeiffer as catwoman danny devito as the penguin and, and in a surprising turn uh, a very special special appearance by one of my favorite actors, comedic and dramatic... Pat Hinkle. (laughs) Uh, no, no, this guy. I only wish I could hand out more than just
1: expensive baubles. I wish I could hand out world peace and unconditional
0: love wrapped in a big bowl. Expensive baubles.
1: And it's, oddly enough, a very subdued walk-in in in this film.
0: Yeah, but... Everything else about the movie is not that. Ugh. Well, if you
1: ever see him just... If you ever just see Walken reading... He does a bit on a British talk show where he just reads The Three Little Pigs. <laughs> and if you just watch him do that, you see why he can just make anything a lot bigger <laughs> than it might be. Um,
0: as, as Max... He's Max Shrek in this film. Yeah. An original character. Clearly an inspiration from the original... Yep. Uh, black and White Nose for Ratu, another one of my favorite movies. Oh, by the way, uh, Batman Returns is also one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a great <laughs> it's, film. It's so fucking I good. I don't know.
1: This is a film that society trains you to hate, and they're all wrong.
0: They are extremely,
1: horrendously wrong. I will say, I do understand why some people don't like this movie.
0: No, there, there are definitely valid criticisms. I do not. Um,
1: I do not agree with a lot of points that are thrown around. And I don't think a lot of points are very helpful, but I do understand why someone might walk away from this going, no.
0: Uh, And this is something I just came up with off the top of my head. For these kinds of movies, uh, the Batman movies in particular, let's share the comic inaccuracy criticisms at this point, unless it's really important to the film that we're discussing. I'll try my best, yeah. Because like, I mean, I, but I don't have many points to make in that regard. Because I think there's really only one film that kind of draws from audience knowledge, uh-huh. and then tries to invert it in weird ways, and maybe it doesn't work. But I'm not. I'm not too worried about going into that. I do think it doesn't
1: maybe at all work in any capacity.
0: I do think those kind of criticisms are not really great for Tim Burton Batman movies. Like, if you're not on board with the first one, then you're not going to be on board for this one either. Yeah. Which is fine. But, Matt, do we want to talk about the plot? Uh, do it in, like, 30 seconds. Okay. See if you can capture it all. So,
1: it's been some time since the first Batman film. Uh, Batman does very little to doing in this. Uh, the hideous penguin man, who lives in the sewers and has been abandoned by his family, um, is plotting his return. Uh, which is a secret plan to kill all the firstborn sons of Gotham's elite. Uh, in in the meantime, he gets distracted and starts running for mayor uh, <laughs> under, <laughs> under orders of, under the, with the support of Max Schreck, who is kind of like the Donald Trump of Gotham, um, who is planning, who is trying to build a power plant that, actually won't be a power plant it will actually suck power from the city and sell it back as at a premium um also caught up in this is max shrek's secretary selena kyle who becomes catwoman and batman's also there too
0: (laughs) that's the perfect way to describe batman (laughs) i am also here (laughs) yes yeah he does he doesn't get a lot of play this time uh, Michael Keaton's also really good yes. in this and the moments that he has. And here's the thing. All of those are very disparate plot lines. And I think the reason this movie works so well is because they're all tied into the character's relationship, into the overall themes about, like, Capitol driving Gotham to, like, Madness, and, like, Selena Kyle losing her sanity but gaining her agency, Cobblepot and Bruce Wayne – Maybe not being so different if his parents hadn't tried to o six him, as Max Shrek says. Um, it's a fascinating, wild mess of a film. I was very lucky to watch it in a theater on on film for the first time mm. last month or like two months ago. I forget. But it was it was delightful. The best audience to watch it with. Everyone was... Everyone went because they got Batman Returns. Sometimes you're not so lucky. I think I think I think society screens, has made up its mind on who likes it. this
1: movie and who doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people saw Danny DeVito in his his onesie, and that's when they decided whether or not they were with the film. <laughs> Danny DeVito is also great in this. Yeah, he, I, I love Danny um, DeVito. Very in this. good. He's he's got he's got to fill Jack Nicholson's shoes, which he can't. He could never really do, which is unfortunate that he's judged that way. Um, but I think he gives a really good performance. Um, sometimes I, I question some of the choices they made for dialogue. Um, and, oh, yeah. but, yeah. uh, yeah, that, that's, that's something that happens. Um, but no, I like, this is a very well acted film in what it is, you
0: know? You really got to be on that Tim Burton wavelength. Cause this is like peak Tim Burton, uh, I, last time I said it was Big Fish, but Christ, I love this so much. Batman Returns might be my favorite. Yeah, this
1: is definitely this is definitely what shows you what Tim Burton is interested most um, interested in most, and it's not Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's you know that's the thing. It's one of those things where like Bat fans like hate this movie because Batman's barely in it, but I love this movie for like everything else. Like, I totally get that, but if you can get past that, it's it's a great movie. Um, it's a bit of a hot mess. It's a bit of a hot mess, but...
0: It, it totally is. Uh, I refer to Halloween 2 as the BVS of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that Batman Returns is like the Halloween 3 of the Batman franchise? Hmm. Maybe that's too big of a gap. But... Too, big, too big of a jump, but close. Right. It's closer to 3.
1: Than 2. <laughs> yeah. Although this does repeat a lot of scenes from Batman. <laughs> yeah. It's cresting a little towards something. It's, it's got more going on in the third act than Batman did. I, I think um, it builds
0: to something. I don't know if it doesn't it naturally. It, oh, no. <laughs> God, no. It, it builds to something. And I found it rather... Uh, let me get my dictionary out here. Poignant. a mm. conclusion for all these characters... Uh, kind of, uh, of these really fucked up Gotham
1: societies. It really depresses me that this was the last one that this crew all did together. Like, I would have liked to have seen a a third one, like a third one with this group. Um, just to see where they would have taken it.
0: Yeah, like but just one more version. Let them get wild with it. And this one's still the most profitable movie of 1992, though. Damn. I don't get it. And given how fucking bizarre. <laughs> It is, and what it has to say about, like, like uh, their, their social economic anxieties, like, it, turning them all to madness. Mm-hmm. It, it's fucking crazy mm-hmm. that this was the movie of the year for, like, the general population. Yeah, but no one got, no one took that away from this film. Well, no, but of course not.
1: All right, I honestly wonder how much living in a post- Monica Lewinsky world affects how you view things. I'm not even talking post 9/11, like there's something so ri- ridiculous about the whole Lewinsky scandal that it really warps like how we view politics. <laughs> and I think we crossed the line where like what what was Outlandish satire in 92 is still pretty outlandish today, but not as outlandish. (laughs) And every year it gets less and less outlandish that uh, a penguin man from the sewer could run for mayor of a major metropolitan city. And then win. Yeah. Um, Halepot does not get that in this film, but... You know that storyline is taken directly from the, car t- uh, the TV show, right? There's an episode where the penguin runs for mayor against Batman.
0: Oh, that's delightful.
1: And Batman starts going down in the polls because Batman refuses to kiss a baby because it will spread germs. And there's an amazing scene where the penguin and Batman have a televised debate. And the penguin's like, there will be no mudslinging, but let me just say, when you see Batman on television, who is he with? criminals. Oh, my God. And when you see me on television, I'm always surrounded by whom? By the police. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding. Um, so, yeah, vote Cobblepot. Oh, boy. Uh, I should talk about that uh, this was not the original <laughs> storyline that they wanted to go for with this film. Yes, please. And I'm not sure if Tim Burton had any say over the first draft, but Sam Hamm wrote, uh, I believe one or two drafts of Batman Two, um, and his storyline. It was set at Christmas, so that was made. That decision was made at some point, I guess, because they knew they were going to use Penguin and Catwoman.
0: Yeah. Uh, so they just felt
1: they just felt Christmas, Christmas. would be the uh, perfect thing. And it, it's it's a very odd plot. You can find the script online. It's it definitely doesn't totally work, but it's really interesting in that. The penguin is after these urns, these raven-looking statues. And they're, each statue is owned by a different member of the Gotham elite, the five families of Gotham. And if you can assemble all of them, it will take you to a buried treasure hidden within Gotham. And this treasure is made up of the Gotham treasury was robbed in 1880. And then it was, the city was bailed out by the founding, the five founding members of Gotham, the five families. So Bruce's ancestors and four others. But it turns out the ancestors actually were the ones who caused the robbery. And they did it just so they could take control of the city. Um, So the Penguin is trying to exact some sort of revenge against the five families. And Bruce has to learn that his father when he found out that... So, like, it, this this secret is passed from generation to generation, right? right? Right, right. Bruce wasn't told because his father was killed, and his father was killed because he was going to tell. That's why Jack Napier shot him. They were going to tie it directly into Jack Napier. Okay. Uh, and uh, his father was killed, which, you know, that's what's odd about that is that's almost exactly what happens in Batman Begins. <laughs> and uh, Catwoman is teamed up with the Penguin, and Catwoman is... Murdering the people protecting the statue, so murdering the heads of the five families, and making it look like Batman did it. Um, I don't know why exactly. I don't remember why <laughs> they wanted to frame Batman, but it was it was something. Um, there's also an order of the Bat in it, which is that the citizens of Gotham are like trying to like start their own vig- vigilante groups, um, f- and you know going to the streets, they're chanting like "Take back the streets." Uh, and it, that which is also similar to the bat goons that show up in the dark night. <laughs> Robin is in it. I think Ro- Robin doesn't show up until like the very end and it, it's not the best setup for Robin yeah. showing up in it. Uh, he's a homeless kid who, cause there's a big homeless problem in Gotham. Like that's a big thing. And that. One of the five families is trying to privatize Gotham Park, where the homeless are living. So there's a lot of scenes where like the homeless are getting mistreated, and Bruce Wayne's like, "Oh, I'm rich. What do I do?" Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it. It's interesting. It's an interesting script. Um, the the big. Uh, oh, and Vicky Vale would have come back in it.
0: Oh, okay. You know, the un-
1: and there would have been a love triangle between Vicki Vale, Catwoman, and Batman. One of like the underlying. I guess Arcs is that it opens with Bruce can't decide what get Christmas gift to get Vicky Vale. And at the end of the film he gets her a wedding ring. oh how lovely. Oh, oh I forgot two things that happen in it that are pretty cool. Yeah, I I forgot two things. Well, one is that the the penguin in it um he's kind of he, he doesn't really have a total penguin theme in it. Like there's there aren't like penguins with him. Aww. He's more like the he's more like the Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, he's we meet him in prison and he's being released, um, and but he has sonic devices that make birds attack people, so he's constantly killing people by having birds attack them. Um, and at the end, Batman reverses it and it sends bats after the Penguin and the Penguin falls to his death, which oddly enough carries over kind of in the Batman Returns. <laughs> um, also. The treasure that they're all looking for is actually in the Batcave. It's actually beneath the Batcave. So the climax is there.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, that's kind of neat. Yeah, hey. All that um, that old money tying directly to, like, the Wayne legacy and stuff. There's something there. I, I, I'd like to see uh, another version of that.
1: There's something about, you know, Batman maybe being, like, you know, because the, the truth about wealth is that you kind of are stealing it at some point. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere with it that's super interesting but there's a lot of ideas there. Um, Tim Burton did not particularly care for that um, so that was not the film we got. It would have it, it would have been a simpler film but it just less interesting you know yeah um, Batman had more to do in it but again it doesn't totally matter at the end of the day. Also Harvey Bullock was going to be in it yeah. um, he was a char- he was a recurring character in the Batman animated series. Um, which, did that premiere this, that premiered the year this film came out, I believe. Either the year of, or, like, after. It was at least in development, because this, because the animated series takes cues for their penguin design from this. The penguin has, like, you know, the flippered hands, Mm -hmm. and, uh, all that. Which I don't believe was from the comics. I don't believe the comics did that, at the time, anyway. Uh, the inevitable script we get, uh, was first written by, uh, Daniel Waters, who uh, you may know from Heathers. He wrote Heathers.
0: Ooh.
1: um, Who wrote around five drafts of uh, Batman Returns. And uh, he's the one. He comes up with the basic stuff of the penguin running for mayor. Um, but the penguin is not there to kill the firstborn sons of Gotham. That is not in the original script. At first, he's just trying to kill rich snobs. Like, he's just after him. He's like, ah, fuck you, you're
0: phonies. No, nah, but they didn't want to make him the hero. No,
1: um, but they—he's going to kill Max Shrek and Max Shrek talks him into running for mayor. Max Shrek has his same plot of trying to build his power plant. I believe it's a—it's just a uh, chemical plant. It's got some other purpose in the original script. And he, so he's like, Cobblepot, you're going to run for mayor," and it's—it's it's literally like the mayor plot just gets started way earlier. Like the scene where the penguin emerges and rescues the baby him running for mayor starts before that scene. Wow. So it's a much longer sequence and it it becomes that the mayor, the current mayor of Gotham has aligned himself with Batman. So we got to bring Batman down and show that he's a phony so we can give the penguin something to run on. <laughs> and uh but really it turns also the mayor in the uh in this script <laughs> is like a real buffoon. He's just a suck up to whoever and uh is very ineffectual. Um, And immediately caves to Max Shrek. Basically what ends up happening is it turns out Max Shrek had no intention of actually running the penguin. He was just using the threat of him running to bully the mayor into caving. And so instead of the campaign rally where things go wrong in the final film, the penguin finds out he's been used, and that's what gets him to go into the final act where he's like, I'm going to send penguins with missiles on their backs. To blow up the city. So
0: fucking ridiculous.
1: And Catwoman is there. <laughs> Aww. She, she, she has the same basic thing of being a... I believe she's a secretary again and gets thrown out a window. Um. And in one version, she actually sees Batman um, driving by after she's fallen out the window. And she like reaches out for him, but he doesn't notice her. And then she quote-unquote dies and then gets resurrected. So that kind of motivates her. Daniel Waters' script is really fucking wordy. <laughs> Everyone's got a monologue like every three pages. <laughs> Jesus. They're always talking about exactly what they're doing and what they're feeling. Um, it's worth a read. Yeah, I'm glad they, they cut shit down. <laughs> Somewhere
0: out there, Aaron Sorkin just got like a massive erection. Oh, God, a Sorkin Batman might be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Unless it's directed by David Fincher. That's the only way that Sorkin, I think, can work for me again.
1: No, because nah, he would end it with Catwoman being, having to reconcile with her father or some bullshit. <laughs> so yeah, Daniel Lars wrote about, around five drafts. And then Burton brought in Wesley Strick, who I believe wrote Arachnophobia and Cape Fear, to do an uncredited rewrite. And he did like two revisions on it. And he's the one who comes up with the idea of the Penguin killing the firstborn sons of Gotham. But he kept the mayor plot, so I don't know what that was all about. Uh, I still think it works for the movie, but it is a lot. I'm just saying the problem is I he I read an interview with him where he said the problem was in all the versions of the script based on all of Daniel Water's script, the penguin never really wanted anything, so they kind of just gave him something. It's just it's just odd. It gives
0: this weird odd weight to the film, but it adds a lot of funness to it. Yeah. And uh, Uneasiness. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of really skeevy shit going on in there.
1: Which I think might be from Daniel Waters. I think a lot of that is left over from his script. Mm. I think they actually cut
0: down on a lot. Yeah, thank God. Uh, and originally, Tim Burton didn't want to come back and do it. But they gave him more free reign, supposedly. So.
1: Oh, yeah, no. he. Uh, well, if you notice, uh, the producers of Batman are now executive producers on this one. And Burton and someone else are the producers of this film. So they were basically given—they were pro- the producers, the directors—and they oversaw the writing. So, yep, given they pretty much let him do whatever he wants. And when you do that, you're not—you're gonna lose your Happy Meal tie-in. <laughs> which is—which is what ended up happening. Oh wait, really? Yeah, yeah, there was going to be a Happy Meal tie-in with this film. Um, And then I think McDonald's executives saw the final product and they were like, we can't do that. (laughs) Oh, this is amazing. Again, we're talking about a script where it's about murdering firstborn children.
0: (laughs) So, at Christmas time, There are a lot of uh, Donald Trump comparisons going around with this. And now the joke is like, you know, the penguin got run out of Gotham, but Trump can't get run out of the White House. But it's like insane how direct some of the unintentional comparisons are. Like, there's no way they could have known, obviously, what they were making this movie. But like, this movie directly calls the Enron
1: oil, the Enron energy scandal.
0: No, there are straight up babies in cages at the end of this movie.
1: Yeah, like it's it's insane. Um, it's I guess it just wasn't in the mind of 1992 America, but. Now it seems like, oh God, um, my father absolutely hates this film, uh, um, which is, I, I, he, because of him, I never saw it for like years. It was like the one Batman movie I wasn't allowed to watch, uh, which he said was because it was too gruesome, but really it was because he just didn't like it, <laughs> which is something my father did a few times. I mean, he's not a Tim Burton fan. I don't. It's got some violence in this. It certainly does. I get like not shown to me when I'm like five, but I was watching. You know, all of I was watching pretty much all of it, but I didn't see Batman Returns until I think I was around twelve years old, and that's late considering I watched all of them in the years before. (laughs) One thing I should point out is that with Tim Burton returning, Warner Brothers spent two hundred and fifty thousand, I believe, to Uh, keep the sets from the original film uh, up to keep them like you know so they could be used again Um, and then Burton said no I want to use completely original sets Uh, yeah so uh, that might have rubbed people the uh, wrong
0: way right at the start yeah this kind of has the same I guess like problem as the first one though in that Tim Burton's not a very he's cinematic but he's cinematic in that like that classical silent film way like that that Fairy tale, storybook kind of way.
1: It's like very much universal monsters way. Like this is a very, this feels very in line with like a universal monster film.
0: Yeah, like like there's clearly like sets, but they're so big, you could buy into them being like 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 their own little world, but you just never get a, a grand like establishing shot of Gotham in this. Everything no, you get
1: one at the start, and that's it. And we're but like we're basically film. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're basically in Gotham Square for most of the movie. Um, I don't get it. I, they should have kept the other sets and just also built Gotham Square, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. But here, here's like, Just so thing. they can mix it up a little. I think it works better for this film because of how, like, confined the characters end up being. And, like, their little plots are, you know? Their little character journeys. No, sure. There's definitely a, there's a
1: reinforcement with
0: how oppressive the city is. Yeah. Like, that's why it works so much better here, whereas in the first one, it's like, isn't Gotham just, like, wacky and cool and Tim Burton-y? It doesn't get to, like, you know, Bl- Blade
1: Runner levels of production design. Oh, God, you know? no. No, no, no. Like, or even this, I think, like, even the Super Mario Brothers movie, The City and that might have had uh, a more, a deeper design to it than just one Gotham Square. <laughs> so.
0: fucking movie. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> That was something. <laughs> uh, I, I got a kick out of it. And yeah, that city feels bigger than Tim Burton's Gotham. It's kind of, and that's again, that's why I wish we, I hope
1: the pendulum swings back in this direction because with CGI you could make it work a lot better these days. You know. Yeah. Like it could, it could both like have a real interesting art design and yeah. also feel like a real city.
0: That that's why it's such a disappointment that like. 2049 made, I think it broke even, but it was still like, you know, not hey, a runaway Hey,
1: hit. he's getting, Then they're letting him do two, two Dune movies.
0: We'll, I mean, we'll see one of them.
1: Yeah. Um, well, if he's filming them back to back, we might get both. Oh
0: shit, really? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that's, that's someone told me that. Oh my
0: god, okay. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to him, because he's more hit than miss for me, but like... It's just I don't I don't know if people know what we're getting into with a Dune movie. Oh, I have no idea. So I only I have passing knowledge of it because of David Lynch's Duning. and I don't think that's like. And accurate. even that is cr- fucking crazy. Yeah, and I love it, but uh, did you uh, did you notice uh, Pee Wee in the film? Oh yeah, uh, Pee Wee Herman is the penguin's father in this.
1: Yep, but the opening, uh, and and the woman with them is uh, Simone from Pee Wee's Big Adventure the woman who wants to go to France. I guess it was some callback, and I and I believe the doctor in it, in the opening scene with the penguin baby birth, um, which is pretty creepy, actually, um, is a doctor from Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Um, he was an actor in that film, I mean. Um, but, yeah, that, that opening, we get this opening with the fucking penguin baby,
0: and, like, two
1: minutes in, he, like, eats a kitten.
0: yeah. Um, which, which is honestly maybe like a little much considering how uh the penguin is is like they try to portray him as like empathetic and sympathetic at times, but really he's just like too far gone at by a certain point. So it's it's weird. It's a weird tonal I don't even know if I'd call it balance, but I'm it's fine like, with them
1: leaning into him being a uh, actual monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm cool with that. Um I just think it was a it's a weird way to kind of set up the whole Penguin Catwoman thing, like, early. Like, oh, he's got problems with cats. Like, I mean, the opening credits of this are just over the penguin baby sailing down the sewers.
0: Oh, my God. And it's so good. And it's like, I can never take my eyes off it. The first one's cool because it's a logo. But here, it's just like, here's the world that the penguin grew up in, you know? Mm. It's just like this encroaching darkness that never seems to stop beneath Gotham. Burton says it's that...
1: That whole thing is inspired by the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, it does feel like it. Uh, but it's another thing, like the first film where they had to kind of reboot the tone from the TV series. Um, this seems to be like a reboot of the tone again. But for the second film. it's just. Uh, but this is when you start getting into the weird, like, where they clearly had multiple ideas they were trying to wrestle with at once and they could never make them come together where the penguin is both... He lives in the sewers and was raised by penguins, but he's also a member of a circus freak show. And the circus seems like a leftover element from whenever they were trying to get Robin into the film. But... in the he, Robin only pops up in the Sam Ham script, which is not this story at all, and in the Daniel Water script I read, where he is not connected to the triangle circu- the Red Triangle Circus gang... Jesus. So, like, he's just like a, like, he's just an auto mechanic. (laughs) And he helps Batman with the Batmobile in the Daniel Waters script. Um, and I honestly think, I honestly think this movie would work. I think it would work perfectly if Robin was in this story. It sounds weird to be like this movie that already has like six characters, (laughs) Like, throw in another one, but I do think that would help if Robin was in here. A little kid Robin, not like, you know, 35-year-old Robin.
0: Okay, so, um, the circus gang, when Bruce is starting to do his investigation on the penguin, Mm -hmm. like that, it's brought up early on, and then it's kind of, like, brushed aside. He never makes, he never takes a lot of effort into connecting Penguin to the Red Triangle Mm -hmm. circus gang. And then later, after the car fuck-up thing. There's a very pointed discussion between Alfred and Bruce about like, well, you know, you can't take the bat car anywhere cuz, you know, secrecy or whatever Alfred says. And then he makes a riff on like the only mention of Vicky Vale in the movie where like uh he he mentions Alfred letting her into the batcave. Yeah, like, like who, like, who let Vicky deal? Vale into the batcave? Yeah. Uh,
1: which is which t- Burton says in the commentary that line is only there to address fan complaints. <laughs> from the first
0: film so that was a problem even then people yeah. and so that kind of leads you into thinking like oh he's got to go to the mechanic and then it just doesn't happen like let's say like the red triangle circus gang was an actual circus at one
1: point which is what we find out and that the circus shut down when um there was some mysterious disappearances of children at the circus so the penguin's been a child
0: murderer since uh before the events of this film. <laughs> Which is something that's not brought up a lot in the discussion about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it adds a whole lot of weird implications to everything. Yeah. Um, but if you had, let's say Robin and the Flying Graysons were a member of that circus and then they tried to get out of it and the Penguin had his parents killed and then, you know, Robin tries to break free of the gang and seeks out Batman's help. Like that could have tied Batman more directly into the story.
0: <laughs> it's the one thing that needs to be tied more directly. Everything else is like messy, but I still think it's just fine the way it is. Everything's all right. Um,
1: everything could they could have done a little more with everything. Um, we'll get into that though. Mm-hmm. I should say though, Tim Burton is not a great action director, but the attack of the circus gang at the beginning of the film is maybe my favorite in the action scene in this these four. Um, films that are considered, like, one canon.
0: Yeah, especially after, like, my complaints about the action in the first film, for lack of a better word, sucks. Mm -hmm. That was really refreshing. Yeah, I've always liked it, but, like, man, Tim Burton did not come to fuck around this time. Like, he just went all out. I just like the whole gimmick of the circus gang. Like, they all have different weapons. It's got a couple things I really like in these weird kind of genre stuff. Uh, There's a there's a circus villain gang that's uh, set at mm. Christmas. Uh, it's yep. got Christopher Walken. <laughs> Everyone's incredibly
1: horny. We got uh, Vincent Chiavelli as the head of the circus gang. Oh, amazing, amazing character actor. Yeah. Did he pass away already? Yeah, he passed away a couple years ago, I think. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, shout out to him. He's great. Yeah. He's uh, he's Danny DeVito's friend and would pop up in a lot of DeVito's stuff. But, no, I love that. I love that opening fight.
0: The... The Skull Heads, that's like something out of a Del Toro thing, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, like, honestly, if I didn't know if it was Tim Burton, I would i would be curious if it was uh, a Mexican filmmaker that made it, because that was kind of like heavy Day of the Dead kind of vibes. A little bit, that yeah. It made me very happy. We should but, mention
1: that this entire ta- attack is only about
0: getting Max Schreck. Oh, but there's a great line. Uh, DeVito's buddy brings it up. He, he says he wanted to talk to the guy in charge. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then the mayor steps up, and then he goes, No, not you, the other guy. <laughs> Can we talk about how straight the actor playing the mayor is? Like, everyone else seems
1: to know they're in a Batman film. The mayor seems to think he's, like, an actual mayor of a real city. (laughs) (laughs) I I think this one makes it even, like, funnier, too. It makes it funny, but I really miss... The the script has this really, like, just uh, idiotic boob of a mayor (laughs) that I really like. He's like, oh, Batman, thank you for saving the city. I knew I could trust you, Batman. And he's like, let's get a picture for the press. And the moment Batman becomes unpopular, it's like, oh, Batman—he's always been a problem.
0: <laughs> From the rooftops of Gotham,
1: the perfect enemy comes to life. I am
0: Catwoman. Hear me roar! Yeah. only one who can save this city
1: is a creature of the night. We, we meet uh, the penguin in the sewers. I like his introductory line. Um, I believe the word you're looking for is... ah.
0: <laughs> I've heard people complain about that scene, but I really like it. I've never heard complaints about that, but it doesn't shock me. Because, like, everything in this movie... It's pretty wacky. It's, it's, dark oh, it's so wacky. And fucked up. Uh-huh. But also wacky. Like, it's so many things at once. And this movie could be a total, complete fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, this could be the worst Batman movie. If Tim Burton at the top of this game wasn't, like, you know, Tim Burton at the top of this yes. game.
1: <laughs> so. But of course, uh, the Penguin, he is going to blackmail Max Shrek into uh, helping ostensibly to help the penguin return to society. He's been living in the sewer too long, and he wants to return and find out who his parents are. And it's actually pretty, like, emotional when he's talking about, like, you know, how he's felt over the past few years. That's my thing. I think my dad walked away from this movie really feeling bad for the penguin. (laughs) And, like, that bummed him out, so he hated the movie. (laughs) Although there's definitely an element of him playing up, like, for the sympathies of the Gotham press... Like, there is, you can also tell there's a realness behind it. Um, Tim Burton talks about how you can, he, like, the audience never really knows when he's lying and when he's telling the truth, and that adds, like, a whole other layer to him. Uh, again, it's also one of those things where we, we see it time and time again in these fucking movies where there will be a villain, and they'll be like, oh, I have a tragic backstory, that's why I, it's okay for me to be a horrible person. <laughs> and it, it, it feels phony, you know, so often. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like oh I guess when bad things happen to people they turn into super villains, and and here it just feels like no like it's it's a lot more than just that he was abandoned you know yeah um, this is a guy who's had
0: a lot to deal with and he mm. did not deal with it in a healthy way <laughs> it's it's funny that we're talking about this after uh, Halloween twenty eighteen because like that one asks some hard questions and gives. Uneasy answers, yes. to everything, and mm-hmm. it, it's still authentic to the story it's telling, you know. And it's like here, it's uh, it's swinging big with the Tim Burton visuals and atmosphere and everything, but then it's also like here's a story about like really fucked up people. I guess we should talk about Selena Kyle. We, I just we, I noticed that we brushed over her
1: kind of because because the film does a little bit. Aw, no, right. no, she, she. She basically steals the film. I like her a lot in this, but I think it's an odd choice that they started where they did with this character, considering all the stuff they have to introduce in this film. Like, the Sam Ham script starts with Catwoman already as Catwoman. And then they decided to go back and, like, add this weird backstory to her that is just strange. It doesn't totally add much to it, other than, like, she's a victim of, you know... Uh, she was a meek secretary who was murdered by her boss. Like, there's something to that. But, and there's there's a lot more overt sexism in the, uh, script. Not, I don't mean that the script's sexist, although there was some element of that. Oh, well. But, uh, more that, um, Max Schreck expresses very low opinions of women in the script. And suggests that when, he, when he's trying to come up with, like, ideas of, like, how she fell out the window that he pushed her out of. Um, she's like, oh, she was depressed, uh, PMS, you know, but now she's a lot, she's a lot of fun in
0: this. Uh, um, I actually think, I, I think I actually have the opposite opinion of the opening. Given the story that they're telling about Gotham's capital, uh, via Max Shrek specifically in this movie is like destroying their lives and like turning them into these things, you know? You could have done it without showing it is all I'm saying.
1: If Catwoman's running around and she's just, like, committing crimes, but we don't totally know why she's doing it, and then at the end it's revealed it's because she has a vendetta against Max Max Shrek, I think that would have worked. But again, I think we also get something really interesting here, too. And then cats bring her back to life.
0: Which is never explained properly,
1: and I don't care. Yeah, it's not, I don't even know what they're trying to go for.
0: Yeah, no, no idea. But it's
1: beautiful. I should mention in the Sam Hamm script, they go, there's an Egyptian art museum where like they talk about like the cat goddess and shit and it's being overseen by Selena Kyle, who is much more of a like sex pot in that film. No. In that script, I mean, but none of that is in this version. I think the only reason it's in that script is because they knew they were going to have the Flugenheim set again, so they just wanted to change it. (laughs) <laughs> but there's this interesting there's, there's interesting parallels going on with all these characters Burton talks about how it's three animal people three freaks running around and max Shrek, who is the only human villain but he's also the most human
0: uh-huh. um, which
1: uh makes him i mean he's i mean not most human he's like the least human although in a sick way he could be the most human in that he's a horrible self-made businessman. Yeah. guess he takes so much pride in being a self-made man, whereas Bruce inherited the money, and Penguin came from, you know, the elite class, but he was abandoned. And uh, Max Shrek's like, I made my business. I want to hand it off to my son, who uh, is a big goofus. <laughs> Dad. Uh, <laughs> although we should mention that Selena Kyle is attacking Max Shrek businesses, and he never talks about it yeah there, there's never a moment where max shrek is like who's this catwoman blowing up my
0: stores <laughs> okay so not only that the big three of batman catwoman and uh, penguin don't meet until like an hour into the film yeah like Maybe. 50 minutes in yeah and then even then max shrek and catwoman don't face off until the very very end so like you brought up last time that the Tim Burton Batman movies don't really operate on, like, quote-unquote, real movies or like other movies do. Because in other situations, these are all deal-breakers. They'll kind of fall apart, and yet, <laughs> and yet, the, we end up with something as weirdly specific and idiosyncratic as Batman Returns with, with a real richness to the characters and the story even if it's plotted haphazardly. And uh, Burton uh,
1: talks specifically about, like, kind of having a cartoon influence on this. He believes like, the film's kind of a, a live-action cartoon, and that when Batman straps a bomb to the strongman and throws him down a mine shaft, Shh. that Batman's not actually killing the guy in that scene because it's, like, cartoon logic. Oh, is that what he said?
0: It's,
1: it's, like, it's like Bugs oh. Bunny putting dynamite in Elmer Fudd's pants. Oh, like, oh, my God. Um...
0: Um, which is a take <laughs> uh, you but... know what i want to hear tim burton and Zack snyder sit down together and just talk about their batman no 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 I, I think i think they understand one another they might but because that's the most fucking ridiculous thing i've ever heard come out of his mouth <laughs> actually no 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 but it's
1: up there I listened to the commentary track for this film, and I, I'm very self-conscious about how I end up sounding on this podcast. I'm no longer afraid having heard just Tim Burton babbling and constantly being like, yeah, I was going for this. I don't know. He just did it. It's a thing with pretty much every scene. Like, he'll start with an interesting point, and then, like, halfway through, he's like, ah, oh, that's stupid. Yeah, it's weird. that The main characters do not really come into conflict with each other until, like, 50 minutes in. It's so bizarre.
0: <laughs> it is, but, like, I, the first Batman, again, which is how it's structured a little similarly, most of the first act is just, like, building up these characters and, like, the direction. The first Batman film putters out yeah. in the second half. This one, um, that's where the conflict starts, and it feels appropriate given the journey the characters are on. Well, this one... story. This I one like, never uh, like Christmas themes and everything. This one never sputters
1: out because it never gets on a single track. Like we're all over the place. Maybe so. Maybe so. And I'm not even like that upset about it. I think it works in an odd way. I'm not even sure if I should use the word works. I just enjoy this movie. It's just like it's <laughs> it's really bizarre and interesting and full of just craziness. I mean the penguin's running for fucking mayor in this. And they lure him <laughs> into his office for like the first meeting by giving him a raw fish, which he's eating while well, he's in this disgusting onesie. And then he bites a dude's nose off. <laughs> oh, it's
0: so gross!
1: Like what the fuck?
0: Hey, stud. I thought we had
1: something together.
0: We do. Uh, uh, While she craves a romance, she can sink her claws into. You can't to a girl like
1: me. He plots a foul reign of destruction.
0: My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of
1: Um, we should talk about the Penguin as sex pervert.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Another Donald Trump comparison.
1: Yes, but oh, yeah. uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Who made that decision?
0: Oh, I've got no idea.
1: I feel like some at some point they went, because in the old Batman TV show, whenever the Penguin and the Catwoman got together, the Penguin would always kind of flirt with Catwoman, and they just decided to turn that up to 11 I mean, it's, like, the shit he says in this is fucking crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's it's gross, just, like, but it's just, like, that flew by, like, yes. through studio executives, and they did not There's a lot about him.
1: Hollywood executives.
0: Yeah, like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Like, like, imagine, like, Tim Burton and his writers were just, like, we were joking. Like, we didn't, we thought you'd cut that for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then they're like, no, 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 I'll put
1: more of that in there. I should say, uh, Bert, in the, in the commentary, when he said, a lot of people complained about the Penguin's vulgarness. He said, I just saw him as a guy who hadn't seen a lot of action. Uh, and Jesus. then he also says, uh, he mentions the phrase political correctness. And and that we were leaning into, he was like, we were being a little um, politically incorrect. Um he didn't say it with a lot of vulgar, like, he wasn't like, damn kids these days, he was just kind of, he kind of just threw it out there. Um, it wasn't like as vicious as it might sound today, um, but Tim Burton has said a lot of stupid shit in recent years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you talk about the Penguin, the plot of replacing the, peng- the mayor with the Penguin is exactly what happened with Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming governor of California. And <laughs> Ron... Uh, Enron was a uh, company that uh, was marking profits that didn't actually exist. Um, so their stock value kept going up, but they actually weren't turning in any profit. And they had to keep propping it up somehow. So the way they figured out to do it was to cut off power. Enron was an energy company, so they'd cut off power going to the state of California, causing rolling blackouts across the city despite a surplus. And this would cause the value of energy to skyrocket within the state. Um, And that was how they would earn their monthly earnings. Uh, Gray Davis, the then governor of uh, California, was blamed for not handling it very well. So um, the state of California decided to hold a recall election. And Enron executives met with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was in line to become governor. So, yep,
0: this movie predicted that. That's so weird that the Terminator was my governor. It it is in my lifetime. It's not weird compared to what's going on now. (laughs) Oh no, no, that's small potatoes. But like at the time, I was like, "This is just, this is just the new normal." Little did I fucking know. (laughs) Yes, little.
1: Hopefully, we've broken that. Hopefully, we're at the end of it. But I I hope so.
0: Like I feel like.
1: Unfortunately, I feel like we might have to elect Kanye president before we're out of it.
0: You don't be fucking crazy. If Kanye got, if he legitimately got, like, the help he needed, because I do think he does have, like, serious issues that needs addressing and help with, and then he turns into, like, the greatest human being on the planet, and then he just, like, saves the world as president, that would be something.
1: Yeah, that won't you happen. You never know. You know what though? You might be better than it. Might be better to have a person in there like him. Make who isn't like
0: I don't a know A fascist.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. But you know,
0: he's he's he, Kanye. You can't make heads or tails <laughs> of the guy. Look, I trust anyone who put out an album as good as Life of Pablo. That's just my mark.
1: We we should mention that uh, Catwoman uh, defeats Batman with her sexuality. <laughs> Bringing back the uh, Batman is defeated by women being women
0: theme, and that women can't be trusted. I can't really fight you on that point, but I will say I don't think the movie is as critical. I don't think it's in favor of Batman. I should say at least not not as much as like uh, the previous two films we talked about. I don't think this movie has deep opinions about Batman. I I think that's why it's it's not. It's not interested enough in his uh, in his story. Burton
1: Burton just says that, which is a way you can take it. Which is that uh, the thing is that Batman is just jealous of his villains because <laughs> they get to live, they get to be who they are, and he's got to he's got to be you know he's got to hide himself.
0: You know that's actually kind of interesting. That's, that's actually kind of an interesting point. Hang on, hang on.
1: Hang well, on. that line comes into the film later when the you can't tell what's going on because the it's like rushing at the very end of the film. But when the penguin jumps on Batman and he's like, "You're just jealous cuz I'm a genuine freak and you've got to wear a mask."
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of mask talk in the a lot movies. of masks, a lot of mask yeah. shit. <clears throat> uh,
1: that's a that's a thing, I mean, in all in a lot of these fucking movies. Uh, the, the Nolan ones lean into the mask stuff pretty heavily too. Well, you should mention that. So the the Penguin starts having the Red Triangle Circus gang um, cause crime around the city to make it look like the mayor doesn't know what he's doing. Um, Batman says he believes the Penguin's connected to the Red Triangle Circus gang, but can't prove it, even though they all hang out together. <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck Batman's doing for most of this movie off screen, but. Uh, it, this then morphs into the Penguin and Catwoman both want to get rid of Batman. Um, the Penguin has a plan to hack into the Batmobile. <laughs> but Catwoman's like, no, you can't just kill him. we got to turn the city against him. And so you get the sense that the movie's going to go in this direction where the Penguin is going to turn the city of Gotham against Batman, and then he's going to run on a campaign of hunting Batman down. Um... The only problem is once the city does turn on Batman, um, with the killing of the Ice Princess, which the way the Ice Princess is written says a lot about how how Tim Burton maybe views certain women. So one, two, three, the lights come on, and then I push the button. No, wait. I push the button, then the lights come on. Also, and then the... It's not the best. The penguin turns on the Catwoman when she won't have sex
0: with him. It's not very good. Given for this penguin, at least, I I guess it makes sense. It's just a little vile, even for this character, for sure. But like it, I think it fits. I, it's just it's a weird team up because it's like a team up that lasts maybe twelve minutes. <laughs> oh, but there's that great shot of, of when uh Selena Kyle lands through the the greenhouse and the roof oh yeah, and she just pops up out of the the flowers, and screams. That is like the shit right there. I do want to mention also. I think why the Batman and Bruce Wayne stuff works for me, it does need more. It, it, it unequivocally, undoubtedly needs more. Um, but I, why I think it, it does work for me, uh, for the final film that we got here from the Tim Burton, I like to seeing Batman or uh, Bruce Wayne just waiting for the signal to come on. He has nothing else in his life. This is it. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, He's not a social guy.
1: Burton says there's less Batman in this by design, and it's because he wants to respect Batman's privacy.
0: (laughs) Did he say that? Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, that's kind of funny. It's interesting.
1: Uh, (laughs) That's the thing. I don't actually have any complaints about the, uh, the Batman and Bruce Wayne stuff we get in this movie. I don't have any real complaints about. It's just I wish there was more of it. Um, there's the, I do like the romance between Selena and Bruce Wayne. I do like where that goes. It's uh, so
0: tragic. And like, it's... Especially nowadays with like all the obligatory love interests. Like even the first one has like an obligatory love interest. Um, it's just like... So a lot of these movies can't make that stuff work. But here, I think, mostly because they have their own agency, although Selena has even more than Bruce Wayne, they all have their own things going on, you know. So their courtship is kind of like, it's obviously doomed from the start, but it's like, it's something that's easy to engage with. I do have some questions about
1: Catwoman's agency. Uh Oh. Uh, I I think it's just a little weird that it's just like she just wants to get revenge on uh, one specific dude. Maybe
0: that could be handled better.
1: I kind of like Catwoman more as just, like, cat burglar, (laughs) who's, like, maybe, like, doesn't—she has, like, it out against society in general, Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: she probably has a good point.
0: I mean, honestly, it probably
1: says a lot about gender dynamics that she goes in that direction. Like, if we lived in a better world, she'd go in the direction of Batman instead of Catwoman. Uh, But that's not what happens. Uh, Bruce Wayne talks about his ex-girlfriend on the first date. (laughs) Which I don't believe is a good idea. A little
0: charming Bruce Wayne. Um, there was going to be a spinoff at one point too. Um. Yeah. Well, it inevitably became the Halle Berry Catwoman film.
1: Can't win them all. Yeah. Especially that one. The Penguin is uh, exposed by Batman after the uh, the Penguin hacks the Batmobile and yells a bunch of incriminating shit, which seems completely unnecessary, but whatever. Well, that's
0: the thing. Like, it's not. That incriminating compared to, like, reality, where there's, like, heinous shit out there. Well, this is still like Gary Hart era.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, maybe. But it seems weird that the, the Gothamites are so quick to turn on the Penguin. But then again, they were so easy to accept them, so I guess the
0: public are just idiots. Yeah. What's that men in black line where it's like, a person is smart, people are idiots, or something like that? People are dumb, panicky, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that that is apt. And that's why the world
1: should be run by a shadow government. What the fuck? (laughs) That's what that movie's saying. (laughs) What? I I
0: never heard it put that way, but...
1: For some reason, the 90s was really cool with shadow governments.
0: I think we're better off now with not being cool with it. Yeah. Well, there seems to be a
1: divide. People now like the idea that there's a shadow government, because at least it means someone's in control. (laughs) Just relax, I'll take care of the squealing, wretched,
0: pinhead puppets of Gotham. <laughs> okay, so he insults all of them. And then when he says, I played this city like a stinking harp from hell. I played this stinking city like a harp from hell. There you go. It doesn't incriminate him of anything, it just makes people pissed off and they run him out of town. I should. We should mention that, the, as a result of this, they start pelting
1: him with fruits and vegetables which the penguin actually says, why is there someone who always brings fruits and vegetables to a rally? <laughs> um, and then he opens fire on the crowd. Batman endangered all those people's lives. <laughs> why not just hand uh, that footage over to like the news? Like, I mean, is, are you, can you not talk to anyone at the Gotham Gazette after the Vicki Vale thing? It's weird that we, in, in a row, we get three different plots by the penguin and all three of them are quickly taken care of. Like, he's running for mayor. Batman releases, like, two seconds of audio. <laughs> the, kid, the race is over. He's going to kill all the firstborn. Batman takes out the train driver. <laughs> and then the, the penguins with missiles on their backs are just going to blow up the whole city, and Alfred hacks into the signal.
0: <laughs> That's a little odd. Yeah, no, it's, it's very odd. But the idea that, like... The Penguin's being molded by, like, Max Shrek as, like, uh, like, another one of his, like, Stooges, you know, like a mouthpiece almost. And then it all just blows up in his face, and then the Penguin's the one left to pick up the pieces, and he has to return to the sewers. I just wish which there had should. been more of it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies where, like, this is going to sound weird. It's one of those movies that, like, might actually need to be longer. Yeah. Which is even weirder because well, there's, it's- like, the Nolan films are all like three to five hour long movies. Oh, God. We're talking about the masked ball where,
1: up oh, Selena and Bruce are the only ones not in costume.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Because their real selves are their costumes. Super Freak is playing during the party, <laughs> which I just want to bring up because when you read these scripts for these movies, there's always like mentions of songs they want playing in the background. And it's usually like, because it's Christmas time, it's usually like, here comes Santa Claus or like really basic shit. And that's, this is the only time we actually get any music in the film that's like a known song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this, and it's Super Freak, because she's the type of girl you don't bring home to mama.
0: Elfman's score kind of has a, a Christmassy attitude about it, though.
1: Oh, no, Elfman's score is really good. Like the bells and chimes. He inset, like, stuff that will come in Nightmare Before Christmas. There's a line in this where when Selena reveals to Bruce that she's going to kill Max Shrek, She's like... He's like, just who do you think you are? And she goes, I don't even know anymore.
0: It's so perfect. Because <laughs> this is like really operatic at times. And like, it's big and wacky. And like, it's like that kind of line and performance is just right at home here. At least I think so. Fuck. It's, it's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I, Catwoman in
1: this, for what she is, I like. But I don't know. I, have a, I just have a problem with... There's so many films where it's like they create an action character for a woman and it's always predicated on she needs to get
0: revenge against a specific man. That is like a sincerely legitimate problem with how women characters are, are treated in these kinds of movies, for sure. I just happen to think it works very well here. And it, it's just it's also very odd that
1: she matters so little to the actual villain who doesn't seem to know she exists
0: until the very end. Is, is that like... I'm not saying it's okay. Is that like the point, though? You know? It might
1: be, but it's we we don't get anything. No, because he mentions Catwoman at some point. He's overseeing the Penguin's campaign, and the campaign like mentions that Catwoman's a problem. It's okay that he doesn't realize it's Selina, but uh, it's it's odd. Where, what does what does Catwoman do between the party and ending up in the sewer?
0: I, th- I think that's just where she ends up. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, she
1: ends up the party. She's with Bruce. Penguin crashes the party, kidnaps Max Shrek, who sacrifices himself for his son, um, which is something the actual Donald Trump wouldn't even do. Then Batman, because he was there, because Bruce Wayne was there, he, f- he leaves and goes to rescue the children. And when we get to the very end, after all the shit's gone down, Catwoman shows up in the sewer to finish off Max Shrek. Um, and she's all disheveled and fucked up, and they don't
0: really explain how she ended up there. I think that was just because when the bombs are going off, like, it's implied that she was making her way there or something. I guess, but they don't show it. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Again, it's that Tim Burton thing where, it's like, his editing is just, like, always horrendous. In one of the script, the penguins do manage to fire some missiles
1: at the city, and Batman has to contend with that. But that wasn't true. Cho- Instead, they shoot at his Bat ski boat. <laughs> No, this is just the bat boat. The Bat Ski Boat is Batman
0: and Robin. Hmm. This is a this is there's a lot in this film. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with them like cutting out some of that stuff because there's already so much happening. Oh it's god, like, like,
1: it's just like it's so much, and we're barely scratching the surface. It's a lot, and yet it is not.
0: You know, it might be too much,
1: but I love so much of it. So yeah, that's the thing. I I like what I'm being given. It's yeah. just you're kind of like yet again.
0: You're like, wait, what the fuck? but it's the Aquaman of Batman movies a little bit a little bit although Aquaman's a little less rounded out in the thematic department which is Aquaman's a little better constructed and a little (laughs) less interesting (laughs) this one doesn't have Mary Poppins as a kaiju so points off for Batman Returns yep Uh, I will say I think the final moments with Shrek and Selena and Bruce are are some of the best of burton's career
1: except except for the part where she's she's coming after him and he's like i'll get you anything you want a real big ball of string (laughs) and then she's like i'm here for your blood max and she's like my blood i gave at the office and like what the fuck
0: (laughs) why no no no, i I love that why are
1: these lines in that scene he shouldn't be like I oh, don't know that was a little goofy. I like that. I do like when he's running up when Batman comes in. and He's like, "You have just saved the man. You've saved the city." And Batman just hits him, and he's like, "Shut up! You're going to jail." <laughs> That's really good. Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed up like Batman? Selina, you're fired. That's my favorite. <laughs> um, he gets electrocuted in the face with the taser. Selena gets Selina gets the taser at the beginning of the film. Is stealing that man's taser in the beginning, like, stealing his penis. I I don't think so, but now that you mention it. And then she uses, then she shoves the penis into another man's face to kill him. There's a lot going on in a, this a movie? Lot, a lot going on in this film. <laughs> and the penguin has, like, two deaths, so...
0: Yeah. Um, which generally would be, like, why are we going back to this? But, like, his final moments with his penguins... Mm-hmm is
1: so sad I like uh you know what I like before that though before he dies he's gonna sh- he thinks he's gonna shoot uh Batman with his on un- one of his trick umbrellas and uh Batman with the mask off does the Batman face <laughs> when he turns did you notice that no he gets like the really intense like look on his face he does like that turnaround that Batman does but he does it with the mask off I don't know it just it was really interesting <laughs> it's like he's still Batman even though he's not wearing the mask.
0: Uh, Maybe that's his true self. Ooh.
1: Oh, hey, whatever. Fuck it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because Catwoman gets him to rip his mask off, so <laughs> he has to literally rip it off. He has to literally rip it off, which I don't know how he's able to do that if it's can withstand bullets. But and uh, and also his eyeliner suddenly goes away.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> um, but hey, they're they're really good in that scene. I, I really believe these people wanted to like have a life together at least share their lives with each other it's funny
1: that it seems like people really believed in this movie (laughs) because it's so fucking weird and then everyone kind of turned on it after it came out much like when the penguin baby was born oh and uh we should mention that when 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 the emperor penguins walk the penguin into his watery grave um which is like a fucking like two minutes like it's just it just keeps going um Uh, you can actually see the sled that Danny DeVito or his stunt double was on when they pushed him in. (laughs) Yeah, rest in peace, Penguin, you sex pervert child murderer. (laughs) What a tragic
0: end to a fucking awful person. It didn't have to turn out that way. And I think that's what makes it so sad, you know? It is, it's unfortunate. It's it's Donald Trump, you know? I mean, it's, it's sad that this little kid, uh... ...wasn't loved by his parents, and now he's this horrible, unstoppable monster. And just, like... ...who needs to just, like, go away and die. It's the entire Baby Boomer generation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The majority of males from the Baby Boomer generation are all Danny DeVito Penguin. (laughs) They all think they're Jack Nicholson Joker, but
0: they're Danny DeVito Penguin. (laughs) Neither one of those things is something to aspire to, so... And at the end of the film, we see Alfred and Bruce Wayne driving through the streets of Gotham it's a pretty it's a pretty downer ending it's incredibly sad this whole movie reeks of sadness like at its core it's like nothing was nothing of good of quality was gained by this
1: experience everyone's just more miserable by the end and glad to have it over with although Batman <laughs> finds a, a stray cat running in the alley and he's no longer allergic to it which he says he's allergic to cats earlier on I think and he's able to pick that one up, so I
0: guess that's an arc. I think it's just him, like being more open and bringing life into his house. You know, even though it's just a cat. Well, I like the idea
1: that I like the idea that it's his close-off nature that manifests the allergy, and it's not really a thing. I like <laughs> that idea, but of course, we get the silhouette of Catwoman. This would work a little better though if he was riding home with uh, Dick Grayson.
0: That's all I'm saying. This movie needed Robin. You know, I think maybe they realized that at the end. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to pick up the cat. Yeah, we got no,
1: we, we forgot we forgot Robin. <laughs> the problem is they would have fucked it up because they would have gotten like a 20, 30 year old Robin and it needs to be a kid Robin. Robin needs to be a little kid. Uh, at least in one of these fucking movies I'd want one of these days.
0: <laughs> it's Actually, you know what? The one we're going to end with does finally have kid Robin, kind of. That's Tim Burton Batman's Returns. The last Batman movie Tim Burton ever did. One of his last great movies he ever did. hey he And then he went off to not make a Superman movie. Oh, yeah. That, that could have been interesting. I, I think it would have been, like, his Batman movies. Not a great walk-in, walk-in movie. Walk-in would have been
1: Brainiac. Superman. Uh, uh, Superman. <laughs> Clark Kent, what are you doing dressed up
0: as Superman? <laughs> and like his Batman movies, it would have been something... That's not really solid in the traditional foundations of like film language, but it would have been like its own thing in a Tim Burton language, and that could have been that could have been interesting. Mm. There's a there's an interesting documentary on what the death of Superman lives, what happened uh, by the late John Snep who passed away last Rest year. Rest in peace, John Schnepp. Yeah, and uh, that was a uh, that's a pretty interesting insight into like the depth of production on that film, and so if you're interested in in future Tim Burton DC related stuff I'd uh, check that out I'd recommend it yeah yeah this is a uh, Tim Burton's Batman Returns this is the last of Tim Burton's Batman movies and I think the series will miss him but I don't think he'll miss the series he won't
1: hey what is Batman returning to?
0: its greatest hero
1: where can the people find you I'm at emperorotn at twitter.com what's the sound is that a penguin